Jesus was the greatest preacher that ever lived. He really, really was. He was, you know, here's the interesting thing. So I go from time to time to these seminars that's supposed to help you be a better preacher. And you're like, well, Dwayne, they're not working. Well, you should have heard me before I went. So I'm just saying. But Jesus was a phenomenal communicator. And he had this way of just causing you to hang on his every word. And so what we're going to look at over the next several weeks is the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, ever in the history of the world. And we, we call it, Jesus didn't title his sermons because, you know, he didn't go to the seminars that tell you you're supposed to, you know, give all your sermons a flashy title. He was, uh, the, the sermon is the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5 and Matthew 6. And over the next several weeks, we're going to look at the very first part of the Sermon on the Mount called the Beatitudes. What we're going to do now is we're going to read it. We're going to read it all. So here we go. Matthew chapter 5, the first 12 verses. Here we go. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. He was the first cool preacher that sat down when he preached. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're going to talk about today. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people will insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus, over the next few moments, would you take your words that are timeless and real and powerful and sear them into our soul. Help us to learn to be more like you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. So maybe you grew up in Sunday school learning all the blessed R's, the Beatitudes. And sometimes we hear words like blessed and we think, well, that's very religious sounding. And it kind of is. But guess what the word blessed, blessed really just means? Happy. Anybody want to be happy? Yes, amen. Anybody just want to live that life that you know God has for you? Yeah, of course. And, and Jesus is going to give us the path to that life. In fact, the Beatitudes are paths to genuine happiness. Not happiness that, you know, comes and goes with the rise and fall of your paycheck or the rise and fall with your particular sports team that's doing well or not doing so well. But genuine happiness, real, real genuine happiness. The Beatitudes, write this down, Reveal the benefits of living God's way. How many know God has a way? And His way works. And what we're going to look at over the next several weeks are, are, are what happens to the, in the life of a follower of Christ when they make the choice to do things God's way, to follow these paths that Jesus gave us. And the first one we're going to look at today Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Right, I read it, but I'm going to read it again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Man, that sounds so good. What does it mean? That's what we're going to talk about. And to do that, to kind of help you understand what it is I'm going to try to tell you today, I want to talk to you about a very, very wise man. This very, very wise man. In fact, I'm going to give you a couple of his very wise quotes. And when you know who I'm talking about, you're going to raise your hand. Okay? Don't shout out his name. Just raise your hand. One of his quotes, he said he was trying to determine or try to explain the proximity of something to his house that was very close. And he said, well, it's just a couple of wagon races up the road. Still don't know, do you? You don't know. Uh, he was trying to talk about how somebody might appear if they were having a particular bad day. And he said, well, he's lower than a hawk's chin on market day. Do you know who it was? Getting blank stares. He said, he was talking about someone that might have been less than honest. And he said, he's such a liar that he used to have to get somebody else to call his dog for him. <laughs> Danny, Danny knows who I'm talking about, don't you, Danny? Here's the last one I'm going to give you, and then I'll reveal to you who this wise philosopher and theologian is. Uh, talking about somebody that was just very, very happy with with their circumstances of life. And he said, he's as happy as a gopher in soft dirt. <laughs> Do you know who it is? You don't know? I can't believe Debbie doesn't know. <laughs> Come and listen to my story about a man named Jed. <laughs> that great philosopher, Jed Clampett. Now, I'm afraid to do what I'm getting ready to do. Because while we were talking about this in our prayer room, one of the younger people in the room said, I have no idea who that is. And I almost just went home. <laughs> like, I'm just going home. She still doesn't know who he is. Who, who does not know who Jed Clampett is? Are you kidding me right now? So I'm going to have to explain to you, there was a show about apparently a thousand years ago called the Beverly Hillbillies. Here's the premise. These hillbillies from the hills of Tennessee struck oil and won a bazillion, and not won, but they sold their property for a bazillion dollars and moved to Beverly Hills, California, and lived in mansions and had, this, had all of the accoutrements of wealth. And the whole premise of the show is this. They were so poor, they really never understood what it felt like to be rich. And it was funny to watch it. I'm wondering, first of all, is that even possible? And secondly, could it also be so possible to be so rich not to understand how poor we are? Now, when I talk about poor... I'm not talking about slightly impoverished. I'm not talking about we've got to buy generic ketchup this week poor. You know what I'm saying? By the way, aren't there the things, it doesn't matter how things are going, you're going to buy the name brand? Um, cheese for me. Yeah, don't, don't, be, don't be giving me that slick, slimy, wrapped stuff. I, mean, I need some real cheese. Some of y'all are going to not put gas in your car as long as you buy blue plate mayonnaise. <laughs> right? How many remember the first time somebody tried to slide that Miracle Whip 
trash by, yeah. I like to make cornbread. But if I do it, I'm going to have two things. And I'm going to get a witness from my son, Mike, your life. You're going to have white lily cornmeal, and you're going to have Mayfield buttermilk. That's how it's done in the South, y'all. Come on, somebody. That's not the kind of poor I'm talking about. I'm not talking about my iPhone is three generations old poor. I'm talking about having nothing but the clothes on your back poor. That's what that word, blessed are the poor in spirit, really means. Now, what does that what does it mean? Blessed are the poor. Not just, not just slightly impoverished. I've got nothing poor. Now, let me just tell you this. There's, there's a lot of people that have miscommunicated that passage of Scripture that would say, well, if you own nice things, then, then you're not truly following Christ. And I don't believe that's what that passage means. Let me tell you what I believe it means. We're going we're gonna to spend some time with what it talks about. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. We'll start by saying this, that happiness begins. In fact, here's, you know, I told you that Jesus didn't follow all the preacher rules. In fact, at the very beginning of his sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he gave you the most profound statement of all of them. Because if you don't get this one, nothing else he says matters. If you don't understand that true happiness begins with an understanding that apart from Christ, I am nothing. See, if you have this illusion that it all hinges on you. If you have this illusion that you can somehow create your own oxygen for your lungs. If you have this illusion that somehow it all, your family, your job, your health, it all depends on you. And I'm not saying you don't have a part of it. But the, the truth of the matter is, is apart from Christ, there's, you don't have air in your lungs. You don't have an earth to walk on. A pastor I enjoy listening to, his name's Chris Hodges, he says it this way, blessed is the person who realizes they are completely destitute, utterly helpless, one who realizes their absolute need for God. And I hope that before you leave today, we can come to this understanding that we absolutely are utterly helpless without our Heavenly Father and His Son Jesus. That passage, in, if we read it in several different translations in the new living translation it says it this way god blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for their for the kingdom of heaven is theirs the god's word translation says it this way blessed are those who recognize they are spiritually helpless the kingdom of heaven belongs to them the new century version reads it this way those people who know they have great spiritual needs are happy because the kingdom of heaven belongs to to them. The truth of the matter is we have to come to the understanding that our spirit is destitute without the person of Christ Jesus living within it. And what Jesus is communicating is that he wants his followers to utterly and completely and totally depend on him. And the question is why? Why would Jesus want all of us that proclaim Christ as our Savior to get to the point where we recognize that we are completely helpless without Him? Write this down. Because I'll not depend on something until I understand how desperately I need it. I wonder if we are too rich to be poor. 
I don't like to get political from the pulpit. But here we go. I did a little study this week about poverty and what poverty looks like in America and what it might look like across the rest of the world. And, and in order to do that, I kind of had to look into... Now, let me just, let me just stop and say, if, if you're here and you receive assistance from the government, I'm not busting your chops. I'm just declaring how things are different in America than they are everywhere else in the world, okay? I'm not, I'm not getting on anybody that's here or watching online that receives assistance from the government. I'm not doing that at all, okay? Okay? We love you, Pastor Dwayne. Okay. But you must admit that things are a little different here than they are everywhere else. Let's say that... It, it, now, this is a very unilateral, broad-brush statement, but across our country... If you only earn $15,000 a year, that puts you well below the poverty line. If you only earn $15,000 a year. Do you remember, some of y'all that might be my age, I remember thinking, if I could just make $20,000 a year, I'll never want for anything. <laughs> you, know what, you know what you want for with $20,000 a year? Bread. You'd be hungry. <laughs> All right. So... If you make $15,000 a year, our government's going to help you get to about $39,000 a year with housing supplements and food stamps and all of those things. $39,000 a year, which still, granted, is not a, a ton of money, right? Guess what the average household income across the globe is? $13,000 a year. So the poorest people in our country are three times better off than the average household across the globe. Poverty looks different here than it looks anywhere else. Are we too rich to be poor? Now, why would... Why do we do that? Of course we want to help people, right? You want to help people that need help. Right? If the government can convince you that you need them to survive, you're no longer independent. Didn't we learn that during COVID? Don't worry about not going to work. We'll send you a check. The world doesn't work that way, y'all. We are two generations removed, okay? My father's father's generation. You know how they survived? Three things. Faith in God, their family, and the sweat of their brow. By the way, that's what built this country. Faith in God, a strong family, the sweat of your brow. Fast forward a couple of generations, and here's what the narrative is now. We don't need God. Let's redefine our family, and I shouldn't have to work. You take care of me. That is a culture begging to be taken care of. That's not independence, y'all. What they've done is they've taught us how to be dependent on the wrong thing. Well, if I fill out the right paperwork, they'll, I'll get, I'll, I'll, they'll take care of my phone. I'll get it. Who almost said something I shouldn't have said. I'll get a phone. I'll get health care. I'll get food. I'll, 
they'll take care of me. Could this be the reason? Could this be part of the reason? We've, we're so entitled. We think somebody owes us something. And that's not how the world works. We've learned to be dependent on the wrong thing. We're listening to the wrong voice. You know, you, you can't talk a lot about the Declaration of Independence anymore because all, you know, all those guys have gotten canceled. Now, did they do some awful, awful things? Yes. Did our country have, a, did we go down a bad path in certain areas? Of course we did. Listen, n nobody in this room, nobody I know stands up and goes, listen, I, you know, slavery was a great idea. But, but, but when we cancel everything, we lose some of the principles that this country was founded on. Let me read to you from the last paragraph of the de Declaration of, of Independence. With a firm reliance, a firm dependence on the protection of divine providence. In our Declaration of Independence, we declared we need God. And we've forgotten that. We've become so rich, we don't know how to be poor. Could that be the reason that this, that, that the good old United States is one of the only places on the planet where the gospel's not growing? Because we're so rich? Could Jesus have been talking to us in Revelation chapter 3? Could he have been talking to the good old USA when he said these words? I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. He said, Jesus said, could he have been talking to us? You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But Jesus said, you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Apart from the providence and the hand of God, we don't exist. We need God. Here, how much you have. How much... How talented you are. How much is in your... Listen, I hope, and, and I know some of y'all, God has blessed you tremendously, and I'm so thankful for that. But never forget the source. God. Listen. I don't want to... I, I don't want to rely on the government I don't want to rely on my wife you know what I want to rely on the strong arm of God for the breath in my body why would anybody want to be that completely dependent on another why would Jesus God in the flesh Began the most powerful sermon that's ever been preached by saying, You need to be so poor in your spirit that you only recognize me as your source. Why would he? T because he's some mean, angry, vengeful God? Is that why he would say that? No, he said it because he's desperately in love with you. 
And he wants you to be blessed. I wonder if you've learned like I've learned. Now, many of you are much smarter than I am. Some of you not so much. <laughs> Read your notes, Dwayne. <laughs> have you figured out, have you, have you come to understand that I can do things my way or I can do things God's way? And when I do things my way, things tend to not work out so well. But when I do things God's way, things have a way of falling into place. Have you figured that out yet? I, I, it took me a while. And I'm still learning. But what Jesus is telling, if you'll just do things my way, good things will happen. If you'll just recognize your desperate, utterly desperate need of me, good things will happen. Well, what's the good things? And that's, there's my... 20-minute sermon introduction. What I want to talk to you today about is the blessing of being poor in spirit. The blessing of being poor in spirit. The first thing I want to tell you about is the blessing of eternity. Somebody asked me one time, why would a loving God allow people to go to hell? great question isn't it it's a great question why would a loving god allow people to go to hell until we realize that god did everything he could to assure that you didn't have to in fact what hell really is is god's free will being displayed to the nth degree Hell is a place where God allows you to make a choice to pay for your own sin. You can either allow God to pay for your sin by the blood of His Son, Jesus, or you can try to pay for your own. And that's what hell is. That's why it lasts for eternity, because there's never, a, there's never a, a, enough time for you to pay for your own sin. The only way you can pay for your sin is to fall at the foot of a bloody cross. Yeah. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the, and, and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God. Are you thankful for eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord? So when I do things my way, I pay for my own sin. When I do things God's way, I have the free gift of salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. That's why I need to be utterly dependent on Jesus. Paul told the Ephesian church, listen to this, as for you, and, and he could be talking to any one of us today. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Oh, there's... 
if the story stopped there, where would we be if the story stopped there? Deserving of wrath. But it doesn't stop there. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So when I recognize that I'm utterly destitute, utterly poor, when it comes to the ability to save myself and to pay for my own sins, when I recognize that, then the blessing is eternity with Christ in heaven. That is good news. What's another blessing? We'll call it the blessing of transformation. And that sounds like a very, let's see if we can define transformation with a a straw pole. If you're in the room and Jesus changed you, wave at me. That's transformation. If he took what was wrong and made it right, that's transformation. See, when I do things my own way, there is no transformation. When I depend on me, all I can do with my pain is cope. All I can do with my struggle is cope. All I can do with my humanity is cope. Suck it up. Do the best I can. And listen, I lived that way for a long time. And I'm going to tell you that the best you can isn't good enough. The Bible talks about a time when all this world can offer is a band-aid on a gunshot wound. Jeremiah chapter 6. This is so powerful, y'all. Please get this. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. That's our culture. That's why people are desperate to to drown their pain in a substance, drown their pain in a relationship or with possessions. Let me put a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound and it's not enough. There is no peace without transformation. I I bought a truck in 2001. And when I bought it, it was nice. It was pretty and bright red, and it only had a few miles on it. It was nice. Well, I drove the daylights out of that thing for a long time. And then I said to my son, here's your truck. (laughs) And guess what? He's been driving the daylights out of it for a long time. So that pretty, nice, shiny red truck Don't look like it used to. It's broke. And it's faded. And it's limping. Let me tell you what I can't do. I can't go to Walmart, get a couple cans of red spray paint, shake it up, and paint that truck and go, it's as good as new. You know what that is? It's a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. And that's not what Christ offers. What Christ offers is if any man is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. So when I do things God's way, I don't have to cope. I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be transformed. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. For by His wounds you have been healed. You were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Romans says that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's only possible when we recognize that we can't do it on our own. We are poor and destitute in our spirit. we got to have Jesus. <laughs> the blessing of transformation. Can I give you two more? Thank you. The blessing of purpose. The most depressing, sad, morbid thought there is, is to be alive and not know why. For millennia, the question of the ages has been to philosophers and religious leaders and governmental authorities, why am I here? Why was I born? <laughs> when I do things my way, guess what? I'm trying to create my own life. I'm trying to follow my own idea of what life is supposed to be and what what i'm supposed to do with these 70 80 90 100 years however long we have on this planet i i i have to sort all that out on my own my life verse is jeremiah 29 verse 11 it says for i know the plans i have for you i, I I'm so thankful that as a young man, somebody shared this passage with me. And I've, I've clung to this passage for years and years and years. And I think the part of it that, that just is a bedrock for Dwayne is those two words, I know. Listen, there are times when you don't know. So I, how about I recognize that I'm destitute without Christ? I know that he has a plan, so I'll just trust his. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. When I do things God's way, listen. When his spirit lives in my heart, when I'm so poor in spirit that I lean completely, I'm utterly helpless without him, then I can know why I'm here. Because he defines my purpose and he defines my reason for being on this planet. I don't have to live wondering why I'm here. You know what I want for you? Listen. I I know. And I don't I don't I'm not trying to be, you know, to throw humble pie on you. 
I know I'm not the greatest preacher on the planet. I get that. We don't have the biggest church in town. I understand that. But I need you to know this. When I stand on this stage and I look in that camera and I look in your eyes, I have this one thought. This is why I was made. And I want that for you. I want you to, I want you to chase Jesus so hard that you can find his place in his kingdom for you and do it and go, I was made for this. This is why I was created. It's why I love coming here on Testimony Tuesdays and sitting up there in the, in the crow's nest. I don't come down here. I sit up there and I play their songs and I'll see people give testimonies and I'll see Clint and Angie come up here with this big, goofy smile on both of their faces knowing this is why God created me. This is why I went through hell for all those years so I could stand up here and offer hope to people who were hopeless. Listen, when you find that place, you have a reason to get up in the morning. You have a reason to keep going. When the devils of hell are in your face day after day you can know why you exist i want that for you and you can find it (sighs) acts chapter 17 says from one man he made all the nations from one man that they should inhabit the whole earth now look at this and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Your existence in this room at this moment happened. That plan was ages old. God knew you were going to be here for such a time as this. On purpose. Created on purpose. For purpose. And you're never going to find that when you try to go through life with your own intellect and your own plan. You'll only find that when you surrender completely. I'm not talking about just praying a prayer and signing a card. I'm talking about when day after day you surrender your life to the one who created it. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. Isn't that good news? For in him we live and in him we live, in him we live and move and have our being. I think I get so passionate about that. I told them in the, I don't remember where I told them. We were somewhere this morning. I don't remember. It's so sad to see people who've been redeemed by Christ walk through life without purpose and without joy. Now, some of you have been following the Lord a long time. And you would, you would be able to agree with me when I would say that, you know, just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean that you don't have a difficult moment. You don't have a difficult day. You don't have a difficult year. It's been the, one of the hardest years I've ever had, just physically. It's just been one thing after another. Anybody had a year like that? Where it's like you get over one thing and you're like, well, what now? And, and you know, if, if you dwell on that too much, you know what? You'll, you'll, it'll be depressing. It'll be frustrating. It'll be, I'm just, you're just waiting on the other shoe to fall. 
But can I tell you, and I'm, t- I'm, talking, I'm talking to you about what I'm walking through right now. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to live stressed because your, your body's not working or your mind's not working or your job's not working. You don't have to live like that because Jesus really does have purpose even in your pain. Even in the difficult moments of your life, you can find purpose and you can find this last blessing, the blessing of a joy-filled life. <laughs> Here's what I know. When I do things my way, I'm living life for joys that will fade away. Every moment of joy that I've had to create didn't last very long. And you know what I'm talking about. Any, any moment of joy you'll find at the bottom of a bottle, any joy you'll find in a, in a promiscuous relationship, any joy you'll find with any substance, with cash, any joy you'll find there will fade away. I'm not telling you that there's not joy there. I'm telling you there's not eternal joy there. I'm telling you that sooner or later, we talked about the other shoe falling, sooner or later, the other shoe's going to fall. First Peter chapter 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade. So when I do things God's way, when I recognize that my soul is poor without Him, my, I'm nothing without Him, when I recognize that, then I understand that I can have a joy-filled life. That doesn't mean that I don't have trouble. doesn't mean I don't have difficulties. It means that I can have joy in the midst of those moments. And guess what will happen? He'll teach me what joy feels like. It'll glorify God, and it'll help somebody else. You mean God could use my difficult moment to encourage somebody else? Of course he can. Anybody recently shed a tear of sorrow? Anybody ever had a grunt in pain? I was walking down the stairs and Donna was like, what is wrong with you? I was like, I'm just, just trying to get down the stairs, baby. Anybody had a sigh filled with anxiety? Listen to me. When I am poor in my spirit, God never wastes those. He only used this for His glory, my good, and to help somebody else. That my precious, precious brothers and sisters in this room and watching online, is eternal joy. And that's only possible when I surrender my life, when I surrender my will and my way and recognize that I am desperate and utterly helpless without the mercy and grace of Christ Jesus. That is 
joy unspeakable, full of glory. And you can have that life. Donna, come and play, please. Sometimes, sometimes I, I put these sermons together and I know, I know exactly how they're going to end and sometimes they don't. And today I didn't. I didn't know how they were going to end today. It was going to end today. But here's what I believe God would do in our lives today. I want you to bow your heads and, and, and nobody look around. So I, I think there's a couple of people, a couple of different types of people that might want to uh, might want to respond. Maybe you're here and you just say, Pastor Dwayne, I've I've been I've been doing things my own way. Now I'll, I'll call on God. I'll I'll pray and I'll ask God for His help, but but only when I've exhausted all of my resources. Only when I've done all I can do. Only when I've done what I think is right. I'll I'll do everything else, and then when everything else fails, I'll I'll get God involved. I'm going to tell you that that's not being poor in spirit. That's using God as a crutch. And that's not what He wants from you. What He wants from you is to be completely and totally dependent on Him and utterly helpless without Him. So if that's you, and you say, Dwayne, I'm, I'm kind of tired of doing things my own way, um, and so I... I want to leave today understanding that I, I, I need Jesus for everything. Just, just put your hand in the air so I know who I'm praying for. Amen. Amen. Me too. Me too, by the way. Me too. Maybe you're here. When I, when I said those words, this has been a difficult year for Dwayne. Man, you're like, I get it. Maybe you would say that this year that joy has been fleeting. Or this month, this week, I don't know. But recently this joy has been fleeting. And maybe it's because you've been trying to, maybe you're trying to fix your world and in your own strength, in your own ability. And I'm just going to challenge you. Maybe today God's calling you to lean on Him like you never have. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Let me see your hands. Amen. Me too. Me too. Me too. I'm going to read you one more passage of Scripture, then we're going to pray together. Jesus said in John 15, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then he said, I've told you this so that 
my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That's going to be my prayer for you this morning, is that the joy of Christ Jesus is made complete in your heart today. And what that means for you, for you it, it, it may mean surrender this morning. It may mean, God, I'm tired of doing things my way. I'm going to do them yours. Maybe it's tired of, maybe, maybe, maybe it's you determining that, you know, I've, I've done it my way and I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do things God's way because God's way works. Would you, would you stand all across this building as we get ready to pray? And as always, listen to me. If you're in the room and you're not a Christ follower, to, today could be the, an incredible day of transformation in your life. If you're not a Christ follower, here's what I would challenge you to do. In this prayer, in this moment, pray a prayer just like this. Father, I, I believe in your son Jesus. And I want to follow him forgive me of my sin and make me a brand new man a brand new woman make me a brand new person and then live the rest of your life in pursuit of him Father in Jesus name we are utterly helpless without you for the breath in our lungs, for the blood coursing through our veins, we are utterly helpless without you. So God, we thank you that we find everything we need, not in our career, not even in our family, not in our bank account, not in a substance, not in a hobby. I find, we find everything we need in the arms of Christ. And it's to Him that we surrender this morning. And we worship You. And we worship You. Father, I pray for everyone in this room in a difficult moment. God, show them joy. Eternal joy. God, I pray for everyone in this room that is tired of doing things their own way. God, give them a brand new purpose today in the name of Jesus. And He will. And He will. Listen. Listen. All my life you have been faithful. <laughs> All my life have been so, so good to every breath that I am made. <laughs> I will sing of the goodness of God. Come on, Donna, lead us just one time before we leave.
know that to be true. That God is good and His mercy never fails. I want you to offer Him an ovation of praise for His goodness, His grace, His mercy, and His love. God, we need you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Listen to me. If God's done something special in your heart today, let me celebrate that with you. Put that on your connection card. If you've got a a need of prayer today, listen, I want you to uh, put that on your connection card. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.